Hey y'all, welcome to TazCast. I'm Arnella. And I am Erden. We're here today with VidMonster Productions at Siren Studios, and we have a special guest joining us today. Mr. John Conyer, our very own Taz Trucking's local driver. He came on with us. Actually, I'll let you introduce yourself. How long have you been with us, John? It'd be four years of February. Four years is February. And what were you, what were you doing before that? I own my own tree service. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about how you like your relationship with Taz, because before we really get into it, I want to you know, provide a little bit of context. Today's episode is going to be kind of about horror stories and, you know, the perils basically of being a truck driver and like the bad things that can happen and why at Taz Trucking, we don't allow these bad things to happen because we care about our drivers. So tell me a little bit about how your relationship with Taz Trucking's dispatch and, you know, your own personal relationship with your own personal dispatcher goes, as well as a little bit about your daily operations with the company. Thanks for having me here. Appreciate <laughs> it, guys. I uh, went to CDL school in Franklin, Kentucky. It was uh, January 2019. Graduated there. Me and a fellow worker, no longer with us, Brian Miller. It's in the same class together, and we were the first two that Taz Trucking hired fresh out of school. Mm-hmm. I've been here ever since. Brian has left last summer. Should have done this a long time ago. I'm prior military. I've done Navy four years, right out of high school. Thank you for your service, Thanks, by the sir. way. I've had my own tree service, Scott's, for about 25 years. What do you do? What do you do with that tree service? Give us a little bit I of background. So, I sold out. You can't depend on nobody these days. I mean, mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. saying, honestly, I mean, <laughs> nobody wants to work. Right, 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 right. I've been thinking about getting my CDL. I've had Class B for years, but I always want to get a CDLA. I did. Taz gave me the opportunity. I'm still here. They're family. I mean, yeah. it's your mom and dad. I mean, I love them to death, and they care about me, I think, pretty much, too. You were talking a little bit before the podcast started. Tell us a little bit about how you originally first met my parents and where 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 uh where that first relationship started well it's kind of funny i was working at federal mogul with magnum break back in scottsville back in 2000 and your mom and dad worked there too all of a sudden later on i found out <laughs> it was tash trucking later on right right so they were, they they were fresh, like us. literally they were fresh off of the plane from germany and their first job when they came to the u.s was working in a factory, working on the line in a factory, you know, making breaks right next to, you know, our current driver, John Conyer. So, you know, it's kind of crazy how small the world is yeah. today. So and how did that process work with you? Did you know when you were in school that you would be working for task trucking? Or did I had that no come, idea. You didn't know? No, I had no idea. Honestly, I was going to take first job, give me a chance, because most companies won't give new drivers. Right, right, yeah. right. Because of insurance purposes. Because of insurance, yep. But... I mean, since me and Brian, he's gave a couple more opportunity guys out of school, and they're no longer with us, but right. But they worked out good, and they just went on to something different. Right, 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 right. I could be over the road still if I wanted to be. I like being home every night. Right. I got grandkids, ball games for kids. I mean, mm-hmm. weekends off, I can't beat it. You can't beat it. You can't beat it. Can't beat it. So tell me a little bit about your average day at work. Like, when does it start? Where do you do? Where do you go? Like, take me a little bit through your day-to-day operations. And is it the same every day or does it vary day-to-day? Well, I start out, I get to Taz about 6, 6.15 every morning, mm-hmm. do my pre-chip, where I run a shuttle for Barry's Plastics, mm-hmm. one of our guys we work for. One of our customers. We pick their trailer up, a Southwood, load a trailer from the factory. I haul bottle caps, mm-hmm. all sorts of bottles, liquor bottles, Cokes, whatever. I take them out to exit 30 out Scotty's way mm-hmm. to the warehouse out there and bring the empty trailer back. Back and forth all day long, dropping hook. Dropping hook. Dropping hook. 
sunshine, rain don't matter to me. I'm, <laughs> I'm on about an hour schedule, round trip, but I like it. I'm getting a little older in age now. Dropping hook is getting me a little bit. Right. It's about 16, 18 a day. I'm dropping. Oh, wow. So you got to crank those dolly yeah, legs down. All day long. On every day. The, on I do, 16, do the same routine every day. Times. Oof. That's a lot of freight that you're moving by yourself. But like I said, I got a pretty much straight schedule. I know about what time I get off every day. Unless I have some, doing something else, which Ned keeps me pretty busy. Right, right, right. Tell me a little bit about your relationship with Ned. Um, Ned, Ned is obviously one of our dispatchers. And tell me what it's like, you know, working with him every day. Well, Ned's a little different. <laughs> <laughs> Ned is also, he is, he's, he's in our Bosnia yeah, office, yeah, yeah, yeah. in um, our Sarajevo office. But I like him. I had Chris as my dispatcher first mm -hmm. when I come on, run I'm doing now. But since he left and Ned took over, I had Ned before too. Right, right, right. Crown. He's straightforward, mm -hmm. but I was kind of nervous a little bit at first having your dispatcher across the sea. Right, across right, the, right, right. Across right. the world, but everything works out good. Can you explain a little bit the difference between being a local driver now compared to over the road? Because you were originally doing over the road. Like I said, I like being home every day mm -hmm. and every night. And I like my hourly pay. I know how much. Yeah. I ain't going to worry about getting my miles. So that's right. the biggest difference. Hourly pay. Consistent pay. Yes. And then, yeah, right. Right. Because a lot of, you know, a lot of these companies out here are promising, you know, 3,200 miles a week. And then you get in the truck and you get 2000 right? I mean, and then you don't know if you're getting... That's a big difference. Yes, big difference. That's, I know... Yeah. $500 difference on the paycheck. On the average week, running berries only, I get anywhere from 50 to 55 hours a week. Usually Ned keeps me one or two day, during the week, runs night shifts a little bit here and there, weekends right. sometimes. But one you enjoy week, the time off more than yeah. anything, right? And your dad had me one one day running berries part-time and running GP part-time. <laughs> I, was, I was wore out that week. <laughs> that, was when we didn't, that was when we didn't yeah. have the GP shuttle and that position wasn't filled, yeah. so we had to have you fill in for that. So we appreciate that, John. Yeah. That's nice of you. <laughs> so I'd like to pivot this a little bit into, the, into more of the... Scaries. Yeah, into more of the scaries or the horror stories that we were talking about. So obviously with today in trucking, a lot of, you know, a lot of the issues is with, you know, drivers, you know, getting incorrect instructions or incorrect directions or, you know, just basically just not getting the correct information from the dispatchers. So could you tell me a little bit about a time where your company, where what they did affected your pay directly and made you look bad, even though it was their fault? You know what I'm saying? Or where like it it was made to look like your mistake on something where it wasn't actually your mistake well, because it, I feel like there's a lot. If I made a mistake, it's usually my fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's 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 a it's a good way to look at it, of course. Well, I had one experience. Like I said, I was fresh out of school with Taz, my second third month, and they sent me to New York. Mm -hmm. I'm fresh out of school, you know. Get up there's two foot of snow, <laughs> which I was gone about a week. Made everything didn't wreck. Uh, on the way back home, coming through Indianapolis. I'm running out of hours. Went to a couple truck stops. They're full. Couldn't find a place. Right. So I got off the exit, and there's a little shopping center. Got the little plants and the little moats and the little islands and the parking lot. So I whip it in there. I got about 30 minutes left on my clock. I was stressed out a little bit because I was getting low on my hour of service. Right, right, right. You had to find somewhere. So I logged out, and I told dispatch where I was at. Called him. That's all right. Just get undressed. Ready to go. Got something to eat, and got a knock on door. Uh-oh. I said, who the hell is that? Look out. I thought I was a cop. I did. <laughs> Security officer? Well, come find out it was, but he said, uh, sir, you can't park here. I said, okay. Uh, I've been in where I had no place to park. I'm at, I'm at hours. Right. Well, you, you can't, can't park here. The truck. You got to move. I said, okay. 
uh, I called dispatch. I said, all right, go on down the road a little further. So I went down to the next truck stop. They were full too, but I found a spot there on the side of the road. Well, excuse me, back up a little bit. Pulling out of the parking lot there, that them islands there with the molts, rocks. Right, right, right. My axle in the trailer caught one of them rocks. Oh, no. I'm dragging it. Didn't know it. So I'm loaded. <laughs> That's when he pulled me over and told me. So we got it done, done. He left, so I left. I went down to the next truck stop, called dispatch, told him what happened. Right. He said, okay, just stay there, called 10 hours. Well, he called him back within five minutes. John, the police went to talk to you back up there. I, said, I just talked to him. He said, you need to go back up there. <laughs> I said, I'm going to run out of hours. He said, I don't care. Go up there. So I get back in the truck, go back up there, state troopers up there. Oh, no. He pretty much cussed me. That's what I was <laughs> doing. Who I worked for, he knew. And he said, well, your period's probably already over because you started. You're probably done. Oh, no. He could have got me for leaving the scene of an accident. Which at the time I thought was a cop, but it was a security officer. Right. <laughs> then he got me for hours of service, which I wasn't legally out of service when I parked. But when they called me back up there, right, 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 I ran right. out of hours. So they got me for that. I had an authorized person in my truck, but come find out, they didn't give me no ticket, a warning, which as everybody knows a warning is worse than getting a ticket because yep. you can't beat it. Yep, 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 yep. So I'm thinking, I talk to Roy, and I thought, well, I'm, I'm done with Taz. Roy's our, Roy's our safety yes. director, by the way. I tried to fight it because I thought service because they called me back up there. Right. You didn't even, they could have come down to you and not gotten hours of service or anything. Come find out I'm still Taz. <laughs> Other than that, I mean, I haven't got no write-ups ever since I've been Taz, not one. Good deal. Got a warning or nothing. Other than that, I told him a problem, which was my fault. Right, basically. right, right. It right. wasn't nothing to do with Taz. Taz is a great company. I've thought about a couple times leaving, but it's not always green on the other side, like I say. Oh, yeah. I'm probably going to retire here. I mean, you stuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, 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 we're a pleasure to have you with us, John, honestly. It was, you're, it's not we're stuck with you. We, uh, we're grateful to have you. I appreciate it. Thank you all. Absolutely. When we say uh, driver horror stories, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you? Bad weather. <laughs> Bad weather? <laughs> Bad weather. What happens when you're caught in that bad weather and you have... I pull over. Yeah. I mean, some guys have been driving for years. They just keep going. It's second nature yeah, to them. I mean, if I was on four-wheeler or something like that at the house, yeah, no big deal. 8,000-pound <laughs> missiles Metal. were going there. I mean, Literally. kill somebody, kill yourself. I just don't, I don't, I don't like it. It's just me personally. No, you're definitely, you're definitely in the right there. I think it's definitely smarter to... You know, pull over to the side of the road where you know you're safe rather than, you know, driving through 70 mile an hour winds and hail and all that and, you know, endangering the life of not only you, but everybody else on the road, you know. I mean, TAS supplies all safety equipment, like chains, everything. Like I said, I just prefer not to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's exactly what I'm saying. You just got to be, if you're, if, if the driver is uncomfortable, then, you know, you can never, you can never be safe if the driver is driving uncomfortable, you know. You can give me a trip to Florida and Texas in the summertime. I'll be the first volunteer. For that. <laughs> I'm going to shift a little bit again because obviously we're talking about, you know, bad stories and stuff like that. And there's a lot of these companies out here that take advantage of drivers. I think that's, you know, basically common knowledge that, you know, if you allow, if, as a driver, if you allow your company to take advantage of you, they will to the fullest extent. Obviously, you know, us at Taz Trucking, we don't do that. But, you know, what do you think some of these companies, like, you know, the mega carriers and all these guys can get away with treating their, their I really drivers can't like crap? answer that because I ain't working nobody but Taz. Right, 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 right. But through the grapevine, I mean, all truckers talk. Right. Dispatchers push you. They don't care about really drivers. They won't get their load to the next stop. 
Mm-hmm. They don't they care don't about care. safety. They don't care if you're over hours, they'll say PC or something. Mm-hmm. Tad does not do that. Yeah, I feel like there's definitely a lot of shady companies and a lot of shady people in this industry that you have to be vigilant and, you know, try to stay away from that, especially as a driver. And that's why, you know, with our drivers, like, I'll say this, we have an average tenure rate of two years while, you know, the national average with companies is one year. So that means we're doing twice as good as these other companies in terms of taking care of our drivers, making sure that they're safe, making sure that they're comfortable and, you know, just being there for them when we can. You know, if a driver needs to go home and get a doctor's appointment to have a surgery, it's not like, all right, well, you can make this load and then go back. Like, no, like you got to get the dude home so he can feel better and be healthy. But, you know, I just think that a lot of companies will take advantage of you if you're not vigilant. Airden, do you have any horror stories that you've heard of that you want to share? Have you been here a few times? I mean, I mean, I have, I have. I mean, it's a lot of it is just like John said, it's dispatchers pushing drivers past their limits. It's making them drive past their hours of service, which is, you know, obviously illegal. There's trying to push them to drive through bad weather. And, you know, we've even had claims against us that we were pushing drivers against their limit. And we were like, we would never do that. Like if a driver tells his dispatcher that they're uncomfortable, like I myself as general manager would step in and be like, no, if he's not comfortable, then why are we trying to make him to this delivery? I mean, if he, if he misses the delivery, like, okay, we get a mark on our score with that customer or, you know, we get a late delivery fee if it's a super hot load that has to be there at the exact time. But, you know, $500 fee isn't worth, you know, somebody's life. It's honestly a big problem today in the trucking industry, I think, is this like stigma that the whole industry is shady. Where do you think that comes from? Like I said, I think it's these mega carriers. They don't care what kind of truck they put you in. They don't care. Do you think it's just like a corporate environment? Right, yeah, 100%. Where they like don't see you, they just kind of see the truck. It's a driver. They yeah. see a number. Yeah, yeah. You're, a, you're a truck number. You're not a driver. Exactly. No, like, I mean, when you think about it, these companies have 5,000, 10,000 trucks even. So, like, they have, you know, a 1,000 trucks sitting, right? So, they only have 80% of their trucks full. They got to make sure that those 80% of trucks are keeping up with capacity for their, all their trucks that are sitting. So they're pushing these drivers and it's just snowballing into this stigma and it makes everybody think bad about the trucking industry and think that we're all, you know, the company owners are liars and they want to take advantage of you. And, you know, it's honestly kind of sad. It is. I think a, a lot of it, though, comes from, like you said, the bigger companies. Right, I right, right. I think that's right, why right. so many drivers look for family owned and smaller companies where they have a relationship with the owner, have a relationship with their dispatcher. I mean, even with you, John, like you have a relationship with Ned and he's across the ocean. Right. Like you're able to call him whenever you need anything instead of just having to report to a new person every single day. Oh, yeah. If I can't get him on the phone, I'll, I'll FaceTime him or Right, exactly, exactly. Like that's that's we're the kind all, of we're all friends on Facebook. Exactly, I mean. exactly. I mean, that's what the thing is at Taz. We're all a family, and you know, with my dad being you know a truck driver for nine years, he understands what it's like to you know be trying to take advantage of. And you know, he was telling me a story the other day about how he was in Indianapolis on a Tuesday and had to be in Los Angeles on Thursday. And I was like, and that was before the yeah, this was before e log, so yeah, you could so just you can do it. Yeah, you, you could just yeah. run it and run, run it and run it. You never straight. Did you work before? No. Like can I you said, imagine the wild ball truck four years ago? ELD's yeah. already out. I mean, yeah. yeah, paper logs were just a whole different animal. And I think that honestly does also contribute a little bit to the shadiness because before, I mean, there was no way to keep, I guess, a regulated track of how many hours drivers are trucking. And that's why, you know, that's why there's so many of 
these lawyers and companies that are strictly on big truck accidents and personal injury lawyers oh, yeah. that are literally just specializing in suing trucking companies yeah. when they hurt somebody with their big trucks because there was no accountability. There was no way to say that driver wasn't tired. I mean, he has his paper log, but like, how does anybody know that that wasn't being? Yeah, yeah it's, with pretty, it's pretty crazy right. to think about. Yeah, it was literally mm-hmm. like everybody just drive Balls wherever the they wall. want. Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. And that's why you still got these, you know, like today, like we're doing our brokerage and we'll have a pickup today and, you know, wherever. And then a delivery next day, 700 miles away. And it'll be a two day delivery. And I'm calling people trying to find a carrier to cover this load. And they're saying, can we only do 700 miles next day delivery? I'm like, why are you guys doing that to your drivers? Like you can still make the same amount of money doing a two day delivery without forcing your drivers to lie on his paper logs instead of doing all that. I mean, it's a team. Right, exactly. Husband and wife or whatever. I think it's just the nature of the trucking industry. I mean, it all rests on the driver's shoulders, but the people who reap the benefits of the drivers are the people above them. The ones that aren't actually behind the wheel, that aren't actually, you know, cranking down those dolly legs and hooking up the trailers. And, you know, I think that's really why we need to, you know, bring a little bit of awareness to it because it's a tough job, honestly. It's It's a tough life. It is. Especially over the road. Some of these truck drivers don't even have like a home of their own. the truck is their home right and every time i hear that like it just breaks my heart it breaks my heart yeah 100 percent. but those drivers the ones that live out of their truck are the best drivers i can tell that to you right now from personal experience i mean they don't have anything else they don't have anything to go home to they're just out there making money and running it and the trucking company is their family yeah 100 percent. 100 percent. i see them all the time come in the yard come watch tv a little bit lounge around (laughs) yeah speaking of horror stories have you ever had anything spooky happen to you while driving yeah like have you seen anything weird or scary Uh, any ghosts involved (laughs) we should should lost stuff out there yeah that's what i'm saying i mean in the middle of the night when you're driving through freaking like nevada and like four in the morning i feel like there's gotta be On the car, doing <laughs> stuff. <laughs> see a lot of stuff out there. Uh, oh. But, I mean, like I said, I was in the military, so I've seen pretty much the world. Truck driving, a little bit you about. see all over the United States. I mean, good place you've never been. Like right. Grand Canyon. Yeah. I'm from Arizona originally. Oh, really? I didn't know that. My mom married my stepdad. He retired Air Force in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And he's from Scottsville. So we moved back here. I was in junior high. Can you tell us a little bit about your time in the military and, you know, how that shaped you into who you are today? Um... I was there a storm. I was in from 87, right out of high school to mm-hmm. 91. Went to Navy. Went to A school in Memphis. I was aviation ordinance. Mm-hmm. I actually loaded the bombs up. I was on the Ike, Eisenhower. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had uh, F-14 back in. Wait, you were on the USS Eisenhower? Yes, like the, like aircraft the aircraft carrier? Yeah. That's badass. That's yeah, kind of funny. Uh, my brother went in in 90, in 90, and he was F-14 too at the time I was. Mm-hmm. But when Top Gun come out... Wait, the original top gun. F-14. The F-18 come out in 06. Mm -hmm. Little brother got commissioned to be an officer. Mm -hmm. So he was actually the last Tomcat gunner of the United States Navy. Wow. So he had both planes, F-14, Tomcat, and F-18, Super Hornet. Wow. So he was... The very last one in the entire United States Navy. Navy. Yeah. That's actually uh, hang your hat on. Actually... Little brother, uh, he's in. He's a commander now. He's 05. Mm-hmm. He come in Tasmania. Your dad here last summer. He come mm-hmm. in. Jason's plane actually is the one Maverick was in. Really? On the new Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> yeah. 
actually got me tickets to see it early. The new one? Yeah. I heard that's a freaking good movie. You I seen it? I think better it? than the first one. Jason's plane is actually the same plane, like I said, it was on the ship. It was filmed out. The plane was at Oceana, uh-huh. the air station in Virginia right, right, Beach, right, right, where right. I stationed at, too. It came to did some maintenance on it, and Jason's got a couple pictures of it. It's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. All right, well, I think that I've covered everything that we need to cover. I'll let you have anything else you'd like to add, or you want to do the outro? No, but thank you, John, for being here with us. Absolutely, And John, sharing you. your driver horror stories with us. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Of Absolutely. course. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. See ya.